The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. All our budget coverage today is with thanks to Grant Thornton and a tax director there is Sarah Meredith, who is with me in studio. Sarah, you're welcome to the show. Um, corporate tax we might talk about. I was talking to one of your colleagues about personal tax changes a little bit earlier. So what has happened on the corporate tax front today? So I suppose one of the big changes, Kieran, is around the R&D tax credit. So the rate is moving from 25% to 30%, which is really positive in terms of attracting kind of high value added, you know, the good jobs to the economy. Some of that is to compensate for pillar two changes, which is really around the minimum tax rate and the move to 15%. Whereas Indigenous businesses, a lot of the SMEs in the Irish economy, they won't be affected by that minimum tax rate. And that uptick from 25% to 30% is really beneficial in terms of cash back. And there was a further change for smaller claimants, whereby they could have got 25,000 cash back um, when they filed their tax returns. That limit has been doubled up to 50,000. So really beneficial on the corporate tax side in that regard. Angel Investor Relief, tell me about that. So yeah, that's um, that relief was kind of leaked over the last couple of days, but there's been a little bit of detail released, a lot more to come. To leak uh, yeah, advance, indeed, so. indeed. Um, and what we understand that will be is essentially a reduced rate of capital gains tax. So the rate, it's normally 33%, that'll be 16 to 18% for shareholders holding between 5% and 49%. There is a three-year holding period and the relief will cover gains of up to twice the value of the investment with a lifetime limit of 3 million. They've put aside 55 million to cover that relief, but I think it is really positive in in terms of trying to stimulate entrepreneurship Mm. and that kind of end of the economy. Uh, You're talking about a change to a territorial regime? Yeah, so that's something like, that's very welcome at the moment. We have a worldwide system and what it means is it's really complicated for companies receiving foreign dividends. Typically, you don't end up paying more tax, but there's really convoluted calculations to get to that point. So the minister a couple of months ago flagged a consultation around a roadmap to get to that um, dividend exemption due to be in place for 2025. And essentially what that means is companies will be able to receive foreign dividends without any Irish tax and no calculations required to get to that. So, I mean, winners and losers today on the corporate tax side, how would you... Yeah, I think most businesses have probably done well today. Like there haven't been any losers per se. Um, A lot of people like Mike in Dublin 18, very happy with Indeed, and I think it's really important to mind that sector. Like I think a lot of the other tax sets follow the corporate tax. And like what's interesting, you know, it's been a stellar performer in terms of the exchequer receipts. Back in 2013, corporate tax yielded 4 billion. It was 22 billion last year. I know there's been a lot of commentary about how it's declined a little bit over the past couple of months, but hopefully that's just a blip. I think November, December are really important months. And then as we also have the move to 15%, we could actually see a further uptick again into okay. the, the next couple of years. Sarah, thank you very much for that. Sarah Meredith is a tax director at Grant Thornton and all our coverage today is with thanks uh, to Grant Thornton. Danny McCoy is with me in studio, the CEO of IBEC. Danny, uh, Pascal Donoghue, a few minutes ago, was saying that the, the three priorities today were around the cost of living, was around housing, and it was about managing that surplus, uh, uh, the, that corporate tax uh, surplus uh, to a large degree. Uh, on that final point, how well do you think the government have managed that surplus? Really well, I think, is the answer. I mean, there's going to be more detail to come, but even just picking on to um, what Sarah talked about there, that 30% R&D, lots of people listening, I glaze over it, but it's really important to underpin the corporate tax global context because when you hear the word effective 15% tax rate, the word effective is really crucial because the effective tax rate in Ireland trending and, and normalising, although the headline raised 12.5%, was roughly around 10%. If you go to 15%, 
and you manage to hold on to the tax base, you get 50% more corporate tax revenue. So it's, it's a game changer in terms of that scale. If, you're, if an effective rate of 10% was given us $23 billion, if that was in place a year ago, you get 50% more revenue, all of the things being equal. So that's really crucial, that little bit of tweak yeah. uh, that sometimes can be glazed over. That's a really big thing for giving us a, you know, uh, a good chance into the future to underpin this. Then on the surpluses that are, are generated from that, your point is, I think they've listened to putting in place an infrastructure fund. They've tagged on climate and nature fund there. It'll get up to about $14 billion, And this is to be there for rainy days that will come in the future that we manage to keep expenditure on the infrastructure going forward. I think it was $250 billion, if I'm not mistaken, that's actually been brought forward as well for this year to finish out kind of shovel-ready projects. So they're doing a good job, I think, on the yeah, infrastructure. Yeah, because I, I was going to ask that about infrastructure. I mean, one of the criticisms on the face of it today might be that you know, infrastructure, paying for it today in and of itself is future-proofing because those projects continue to exist and benefit society and the economy in the years ahead. And we've got these infrastructural deficits. I mean, are they doing enough today or are they right to be kind of funding a fund Look, for you, the future? You can always do more and you get this exp- um, inflationary pressures that the fiscal advisory would be talking about. I think the one thing, though, that sometimes gets missed, and we've talked about it over quite a number of years, the government is actually outpaced by the private sector in so many ways. You know, the great news on the completion of the Intel plant, that was $17 billion, which is only like a couple of miles away from the National Children's Hospital, which, you know, put it in proportionate scale. The government really, in trying to get the infrastructure done, is competing against its own citizens because they've got a lot of money for retrofitting their houses and putting on extensions, etc., and with the big corporates that luckily are here that allows us to have that funding for the kind of social infrastructure that we have. So the government is competing with its own citizens. And if you're mm. at the heart of something that people don't like hearing about, but just take something like the cost of living and the energy costs. At €450 Euros to everybody, that means the average Irish household will get €450. Euros. We also know um, that the average Irish household has nearly 70,000 euros on deposit in the Irish banking system tonight. So you're giving people who have 70,000 euros on average, 450. That's a waste. Uh, Danny McConnell is with us as well, the editor at the Business Post. Danny, politically, how well or otherwise have the government managed today? Yeah, I was just thinking that. Like, So this time last year, we were talking about a budget of in around the same size, of it, in around 14 billion, we took all the elements in, into it. And well, at that stage, we were saying that the government had out Sinn Féin, Sinn Féin. Like, you know, they had kind of gone beyond even what Sinn Féin were looking for. And again, like you're, you're looking at Pierce Doherty and Rose Connolly Walsh and the Dáil Chamber, you're on. It's a very difficult budget to oppose. I mean, you're, you're literally giving money to everybody in the audience. Um, I think the government is open to criticism in that it really, there's nothing seismic in this budget. Given the amount of money that's on the table, they didn't go for a big bang anywhere. They've kind of tweaked tax here. They've tweaked the USC here. You know, they didn't go the full hog in terms of, say, the free secondary level schools. They kind of only went to the junior cert level. Um, I think there was an opportunity... Was that shooting themselves in the foot? When we're talking about packages worth €14 billion, and that's a real tangible thing that people feel. That was the big political winner last year. Like, of all, like, uh, you know, with two kids in primary school last year, I mean, the the, the difference, and we were okay, we were able to afford the books, but it was just one less hassle that we had to deal with. It was just kind of going... It's a non, it was a, it was a political winner from Norma Foley last year. There was clearly an intention to go the whole hog and get it up to the leaving cert, but they obviously weren't able to make the the sums work. But I just thought again a missed opportunity. 
But if you're looking, if you're taking a step back and you look at the this budget in, in its totality, obviously with an eye to next year's elections, you've local and European elections in May, June. Obviously, we're talking a lot about a, a you know general election next autumn. You know, there's nothing seismic in this. It hasn't turned the dial in relation to housing. Hasn't turned the dial in relation to health. The two big issues that have dogged this this government and previous governments in terms of you know success or failure. So you know, will will it really make a difference in terms of the homelessness numbers? Probably mm-hmm. not in the short run. So I think they are open to that criticism. And you would you you would think that you know, given the amount of money that we're talking about, um, you know, giving a little bit to here, a little bit to everybody. Um, you know, make everybody feel you know everyone's getting something, but I think they do stand accused, as I said, of that lot missed opportunity of doing something truly seismic and you know memorable. Uh, Pascal Donahue, who I said was with me a little bit earlier, uh, you know, effectively argued that the health budget he feels has reached the point where they are getting enough money, mm. and and the system within that budget can and should be improved. Now, he wasn't criticising uh, anybody who worked, he was he, it was at pains to point out he was not criticising anybody who works within that uh, uh, system. But was he criticising his cabinet colleague and Stephen Donnelly and the new person running the Department of Health and Robert Watt? Was, he, was, was today's, I suppose, lack of a big jump in investment in health, given yeah. the big budget overruns we've gotten used to seeing every year, was that Pascal Donoghue and Michael McGrath saying, listen, we're, we're sick of this, we're giving you lads enough, you've got to do something. Absolutely, and I think what, if you look, this time 10 years ago, the budget for health was 12 billion. It's now 23, 24 when you take the capital allocation in, in as well. As we were reporting during the summer, I mean, you know, Pascal Donoghue basically said what Stephen Donnelly was doing, Robert Watt were doing, were essentially threatening the viability of the state in terms of what they were looking for. So like, there's a very, there's been this really bitter turf war between public expenditure and health. Now, that happens every year, but it does seem that, you know, that the cost overruns on health have particularly become an issue over the summer months and got worse over the summer months. When Stephen Donnelly is out briefing kind of key stakeholders in his sector a week ago saying there will be no new measures, I mean, that's that tells its own story. Mm. He's lost the battle. He's lost the kind of the confidence of, of his cabinet, the money ministers, to give him any more money because he can't essentially get... and And... Look at all the political flack that they talk about Robert Watt's appointment, the big salary that he got going in as Secretary General. Well, he's going to fix all the problems, sure, Danny. But sure, listen, the great man from Deeper hasn't gone on, or you know. So there, but yeah, you know, what they will say is that because this is a HSC problem primarily, their accounting practices within the HSC means that they just can't get accurate numbers. So you've had this continuing uh, position where the numbers being fed up by the HSC are totally at odds with what deeper think they should be and you have this kind of bun fight every year over, over the level of funding. Uh, Danny McCoy, the measures announced today, a lot of them predicated on inflation next year dipping down below 3%, 2.9%, Is the danger that the measures themselves today will make that an impossibility or even a difficulty? Somewhat of a difficulty, but, you know, it's it's like... In medicine, sometimes when you give the patient that's what they need, the temperature goes the wrong direction in the first instance and then it comes back down. I wouldn't be so concerned about what the budget's done to inflation. I'd be more concerned about some of the geopolitics that we're looking at. The tragedies of the, the Middle East conflict has been traditionally a precursor to inflation. Right, you know That's a very serious issue in its humanitarian aspect, but its full economic ramifications could yet could yet land. Mm. So I wouldn't be concerned about a domestic-induced inflation. Um, I think the budget was quite smart, is that a lot of the things haven't been indexed. You know, the social welfare, 12 euros, is marginal, whether it's actually capt- it'll capture the future inflation, but not the one that's currently been experienced. So I, I, think, they've, I think they've done really a clever budget. I, you know, they're two very experienced ministers. Um, standing back from it, they've managed to 
hit a lot of things there and keep it going. The real pressure, though, is not confronting Irish society with the fact that the households have the money and the households need those services. And it's this inconsistency of saying, what do we need from the budget? We need more money in our pockets when clearly they need more services in terms of the public provision. And so, like, look, again, we'll we'll embrace it and we enjoy the fact that 60,000 or 80,000 of our fellow citizens can take five or six weekends over in uh, in France. Like, that tells you something as well in terms of the scale of what's going through Dublin Airport in terms of where the money is in our society. And it's a shame that we have this private affluence possibly coexisting with a kind of a public squalor. All right, well, listen, thank you all very much uh, for joining me. Uh, Danny McCoy is the CEO of IBAC. Danny McConnell, the editor of the Business Post, and Sarah Meredith, we, Meredith rather, we heard from before as well, tax director at Grant Thornton. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.